Hello and welcome to Make Ideas Reality, the podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to everyday creative heroes making their ideas reality that wouldn't necessarily get their story heard. I hope to inspire you with their stories, give you courage to leave your comfort zone, think big, and be the badass creator you are meant to be. I'm Justin White, aka The Garage Avenger. Let's do this! Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Make Ideas Reality. Today's guests, yes plural, they're a husband and wife team traveling the world pursuing their automotive passion. By showing their souls through their photography and storytelling, their publication has grown to reach millions. As they share the stories of cars and more importantly, the people behind them. Their journey has had them working with gangster rappers, TV celebrities, and that guy down the street that just loves his Volkswagen Beetle. They've bucked the status quo all the way, saying to the world, this is how we roll. Welcome to the show, Tony and Carmen Matthews from Superfly Autos. Thanks for having us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Justin. That was uh, quite a hell of an introduction. Thank you so much. It's kind of gangster rappers as well. That's pretty cool. I'm sure some people- Makes us sound gangster. Exactly. (laughs) curious of what that's about i'm sure so we'll share that later <laughs> <laughs> good good um now you and i uh well we we met through a mutual uh actual podcast weirdly um i heard you guys on another podcast what is it like nearly three years ago or something like this and through this podcast i somehow got in touch with you guys and you know we've stayed in contact for a long time so it's kind of it's it's actually really cool how small the world is when you come to that sort of things i thought you guys would be a great um guest to have on the show because you it's a little bit something different uh from what we normally talk away talk about which is making stuff and you guys still make stuff it's just in a different way and i think um this is something that i think might be interesting for our listeners so um let's let's just talk about a little bit about yourselves who who is tony and carmen matthews and what is superfly autos uh so so basically tony and carmen matthews we are a married couple and uh we've been married seven years if i'm not mistaken we get that uh, yeah. right. <laughs> around been, about been, that time been together 16 years and we actually met through cars yeah. Uh, it's about a passion of both of ours. And to fast forward quickly, basically Superfly Autos is a digital publication whereby both Carmen and I travel the world to find the most inspiring people who build the coolest vehicles out there from hot rods, low riders, classic retro cars and the like. And we just want to share their story and the lifestyle they embody. So we meet people that are rappers, uh, tattoo artists, um, builders. Electricians. Uh, Everything. Like really random people. There's no rhyme or reason on what they do in their daily lives compared to their creations. And we just love to try and mix both what they do as a lifestyle, including the lifestyle mm-hmm. owners building cars. And uh, for that, the, the ethos for that is to really to inspire other builders to actually go, wow, if they can do this and build a car, then I can do the same. So we try to get people like the likes of Jay Leno, who's really high up there with the cars and have someone like him to inspire people that you can dream big to the guy, like you said at the beginning, he's got a little Volkswagen in his garage and he's got 
got probably a few thousand dollars and that's all he has to make it but he creates something quite unique yeah and i and i really love the way you share like that broad spectrum of the car owner right or the car builder you know like there's guys you know that have no money just doing their thing making making their ride just because they love it you know i think it's awesome so you know how did how did this all start were you guys always into cars well where do you want to start i think maybe you could start with I want to start. I'm starting. Ladies first. (laughs) I have a a little bit of a roundabout uh, circuit in in cars. Um, I definitely blame my father and my grandfather for it, (laughs) but um, it's it's more of a I held on to it because I lost both of them fairly early in my life, and cars and the creativity specifically within them um, in the custom creations that is what always fascinated me the most and that is what stuck to me after they had left as well um and once talk about leaving once i left germany because i was born and raised in germany um um gosh when when did i leave i left in i think i left in 2000 i left first to greece um only to go to uh fuerteventura uh, from there, I went to the French part of Switzerland, and all along, um, Lord and behold, all the friends I made along the lines were always uh, car owners, uh, car creators, uh, had somewhere a hand in or worked in their daily lives with cars. I, I just did not seem to be able to shake it. Um, not that I ever wanted to, but that was just it. And um, when I worked and uh, lived in Switzerland, um i again had a, a very good and very dear friend of mine um who had his own garage but also um a gas station um and he owned two modified lamborghinis this is switzerland lake geneva um so this is where tony and i met that that's where mm. our path more or less crossed <laughs> yeah so cars from my perspective since a, a, a really small child i remember i think my dad gave me like this little hot wheels bugs bunny car when i was thinking about two years old and then obviously i went to hot wheels as a kid uh, the type of diecast cars you could collect as a child on your window ledge you know there's a big kind of model about this big i had the poster wall of the lamborghini contash you know the ideal 80s uh, sports car from back then and then my cousins got into car magazines started selling my magazines i was starting to drive at the age of 18 and i was like wow this this lifestyle is quite incredible people mm. meeting each other building these cool cars and i made it my mission to actually get involved so i started to build my own car so what i used to do is uh, whilst at university i used to literally work on weekends uh it's a supermarket stacking shelves and any spare change i had was literally to buy my own car and customize it and that the aim was to one day get it featured in a car magazine and I lived in an area where it was not the most affluent, let's say. And a lot of people gave me a lot of uh, problems because I managed to buy my own car brand new, but I used to pay monthly for it on a really small amount each month. And even despite the problems of having windows put through and all sorts, I still decided I, I was still going to do this. I wasn't going to allow people's mindsets and poverty-stricken mindsets to stop me to try and get out of this kind of place. And what I did is one day I actually managed to get a photograph of my car, a really small photograph in one of the reports of this event that was having in my area. And that just spurred me on to do even more. And then I eventually managed to get a full article in this magazine in England called Max Power. It was one of the biggest in the world at the time. 
And now it's just like, I'd love to do more with this industry. How can I get involved? And as fate has it, I had a friend who uh, had a garage who built Renault 5 turbos and he had two engines in this car. So it's quite a unique build, one at the front and the back, more powerful than Lamborghini. And one day he says, you know, I've just been invited to the south of France to showcase this car to car show. And I was like, wow, where's this? He says, well, it's in this place called Agda. And I was like, say that again? And I was dumbfounded the fact that this location in South France is where part of my family comes from. And I was raised there as a kid. And I was like, that's insane. He said, well, actually, you speak fluent French, right? Do you mind coming with me? We'll do a road trip. I'll pay for everything. And you just be my translator. And I was like, of course, I'm going to do that. So we literally took a trailer from North England all the way from North England to the South of France, which is one hell of a trip. Like 14 hours, isn't it? 14 hours, crazy yeah. about thousands of miles. And we arrived there and I spent time seeing my family, which is amazing, my cousins, my grandparents and that. And then it was a car show on the beach. And then I was introduced to a car magazine called Fast Car, which was in England. They started realizing I speak French. They went, oh, you can help to translate for us and maybe get some car owner stories. We're like, okay, I'm going to do that. And after a weekend of this, I was like, how can I get into this line of work? And I spoke to the photographer and I said, I'm in this already. I love this industry. How can we work together? And he says, well, if you find the cars on the internet, I'll be the photographer. And back then it wasn't digital. It was purely yeah. film. And I'll teach you how to write a proper article because I wasn't a journalist. I was just at university doing a study in business. Didn't do anything like that before. And so I started searching in Yahoo back in the day on forums, not on Instagram and Facebook like we do today. And I actually found a guy in Switzerland, and this is where it connects with Carmen. They says, oh, I've got five cars. And I got a couple of guys with some other cars and Lamborghinis. You can come over, not a problem. So I'm like, brilliant, this is great. So I spoke to the photographer and he said, look, I'll pay the trip. I'll do the, you know, pay the flights and everything. And then when you write, we'll split the costs and, you know, we get for the magazine for featuring the articles. And then that's what happens. I flew up to Switzerland for a few days. Carmen happens to be one of the friends of the Lamborghini owner. We speak in half French and English because obviously Carmen, my English was not like what it is right now. Not nowhere near. Nowhere near. <laughs> no. So we're kind of half and half. And then from then on, obviously we connected. It just so happened that we connected. And so the car thing then from then exploded even more because as I finished university, there was actually a job going for this magazine. And the photographer was like, look, I'm going to put you forward because you're in the scene, you know it inside out, you've got a lot of connections, you've got the language skills, you know what you talk about. So they offered me a two-week trial to come down, meet the team, spend some time, let's see if it's something that I like and vice versa. Obviously, it worked out really well. And that's when it kind of exploded. Let's fast forward a little bit. Now, you, you, you're working for this car magazine. You've also come to England. Now, I assume at some point you guys get together. When did the actual Superflyers Auto magazine start being produced? So, so would it be 2011-12, if I'm not mistaken? Let me, let me just go through. So I arrived 2003, you came down 2003. 2006, we started photography together and you left Fast Car. Um, yes, yeah, if we go back there, that's a good point. Yes, yeah, so... So we had, we had actually a stint where we only took on photography work as well as um like translation work um bridging magazines. yeah bridging language barriers basically for different car magazines around the world and then 2012 mm. we started the first round of attempt in getting our 
magazine online. Uh, in yeah. 2014, before we actually left our um, full-time employment, we did um, enter our magazine into the uh, international, what was it called? International oh, Digital Magazine, Digital magazine Awards. And uh, it, it was truly like, uh, how, um, like Top Gear was in there, like anyone who had a name and 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 Bauer Verlag is like literally anyone who had major major magazines out different was niches. in there of of different niches, and the two of us entered. We like we just thought we have no clue why we are doing this just to show ourselves. But it it was really really good to just simply see how we fare and how we measure compared to others on a professional level. Because up to that point, we actually never never ever thought um on how we could make any money like literally that is where we comparatively are exactly like any creatives out there any creator out there starts with oh i love creating this it's really having i have good fun with it it's a good hobby and then when it comes to selling yourself putting a tr price tag on it's like oh my god i don't know i have no idea how this is supposed to have it i don't know how to measure my work and exactly that is the same position where we were in so we had to start somewhere and just see how we measure ourselves there and um i think we fared really really well because um, listed, right? we were finalists mm -hmm. in our category for that year under the new titles in in the car genre ahead of top gear which was really really good for us wow wow that's awesome the team of 14 yeah we were a team of two it was it was interesting to see that you know when you have the skills when you look at that you're like, wow okay so we are doing something pretty mm. well the fact that two people with a whole team like Carmen instead of 14 it sometimes i think we underestimate how how good we are and it's something we yeah. should own not think in an ego way like oh look at me it's like no actually each one of us have a skill you know a lot of your you know guests you have got special skills with their hands and then and, and creative just like yourself yeah. and i think we underestimate sometimes how much that how we have and then brush it aside so for us because we're not the kind of people always shout about ourselves and we like wow actually gosh we didn't realize and so to to then bring into that where why where, where i can't what this in is that then we were thinking you know do we charge yeah um, and unfortunately the industry was not willing to purchase no. those kind of magazines because more and more content came online and they were like, well, you can go on blogs now where the quality is so far better than most publications. Why would we put on a penny more? Mm -hmm. yep. So we made, yep. it free. we made it free and tried to bring in advertising. And so what happened is a mixture of things of the when we decided then that the best option was to go purely in the blog form and embrace social media 100% more than we were. Because the download rates of 15 seconds was too slow for people, which really yeah. completely surprised us. Um, some of the publications and other advertisements didn't really feel that advertising within the app was what they wanted and it also felt to us that we were literally locking away the content and not reaching as many people as we could yeah because yeah. what we noticed is to, to compete on a newsstand the amount of cash you need to compete is is vast yeah we didn't realize it was going to need a lot of capital we didn't really have that so we thought well instead of continuing something that would ultimately fail the brand let's just take it offline build a really good website and embrace social media and that's when things started to take a huge trajectory for us everything tony just said and i want to throw that in because i think that will be very very relatable to your listeners as well is 
when Tony is saying it, it sounds at all very smooth, very logic, very level-headed. It wasn't. There was a process behind that, and definitely we had to step our own egos down a little bit. A lot of Fs, yes, a lot of that as well. Failure, of course, that is not. Oh, I thought you meant. I thought you meant fucks, because I I'm dropping the F. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, there was a lot of swearing involved. I <laughs> have to admit that. And, um, you know, to get to notching down our egos a little bit and say, okay, let's just take that another approach and look at it. And this is again that flipping around that I like doing. It's like, okay, what do we ultimately want out of our magazine? Do we want to have like, x gazillions of dollars or do we actually want to go somewhere and make something out of it do we want to reach people and it was for both of us no we want to reach people we want to do that because of the people for the people and all the people within so you know does our ego matter no it doesn't so let's step it down and that was like literally the short of what tony just said in the heaviness of it that's what i just added yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about you. You built now a platform mainly on social media, and you know things are going really well. Um, you realize what that you you can't do anymore unless you get free of your day jobs. So let's talk about that. Twenty fourteen, and it was about May. No, it was June. It was already summertime. One morning, and I didn't know what hit me. Tony woke up in the most awful mood, and he's a very placid guy. I have to say that. So for him to wake up in that way was absolutely or is not his in his nature. But he woke up in a really foul mood and 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 pissed off at life, quite literally, um, saying, "This is this is not." going really well for us is it um at the time tony was in the position of having uh working a contract that was every three months renewed so every three months we didn't know if he had a job the next day or not i was in a job where i was literally working myself into the ground um and below the ground six feet under quite literally um, it was incredibly demanding um, on my mind as well on my, as on my body. And um, amongst that, we had the fact that um, from our Superfly Autos perspective, we had reached a, t- a limit. We couldn't go any further unless we invested more time. And we hadn't had more time because we were full time in the job. So it was literally being stuck in between a rock and a hard place. And that morning for the first time, both of us were in our entire career late for work um, because we both felt this is more important to discuss this through rather than going to work and then, you know, uh, discussing it in the evening again, picking it up in the evening. We wanted by then uh, another discussion um, from that on. Um, so the discussion really involved what are we actually doing with our lives, number one. Number two, um, do we have the guts? Can we make it to actually invest more time into our business? Can we handle it 
that we give up our nine to fives. Can we manage that somehow? Um, that was a huge question mark because at the time that did not make enough money to replace the money or as income that we had. Um, so it was a huge question mark on that. And also, what would we have to do that we wouldn't fall back into our nine to five habits because it is a habit to go to work every day. Um, like in a whim of time, let's say give it two or three months, we kind of see this doesn't go well and we fall back into it. So what do we have to do to basically give ourselves no way back in? There's no back, back door. So once we had that in the morning, discussed and and had a rough scope on okay that's it we are tackling this we both went to work came home in the evening and from then on it was literally okay if we are doing this where are we going first because the first question was how to close that back door what forces us to leave and not go back <laughs> because both of us were dead dead scared i have to admit that um it's, it's true because you, you, your back's against the wall justin it's because going back before 2014 you, you go i think there's, there's there's a journey through life that each and every one of us go through right there's a lot of questions a lot of bs let's say that you go through mentally as well as the career problems like we've just discussed of you know working too hard and the money's not coming in but you feel at some point, and that's how we felt, like really trapped, like this invisible mm. box where you're like, is this all we have to ask? You know, is this all? Is this all we got for our life? I and mean, this is bullshit. I mean, sure, we're grateful. Yeah. We have a job and that we, are, we were grateful what we had. But in the end, we felt we're just going to either soul destroy ourselves or literally physically, as in health-wise, destroy ourselves or go fucking completely mental. And at some point, I think you have no other choice but a breaking point where you wake up like I did that morning and went, fuck this shit. I'm, I'm sick and tired of it calm going to work and be treated like a piece of shit excuse my French but it, it really riles me up because they're, they're in corporate banking who only care about money they don't care about the well-being of Carmen as long as she does the job and mm. I was working for my local government as a contractor where colleagues were thinking I was trying to take their job because job losses were getting left right and center I'm like I'm just trying to earn a paycheck and do good for the people in the in the community I don't want to have to work every day with that kind of bullshit and you think well it's either you stay that out and something cracks and one of us gets ill for example or out of a job and then what? Or you decide to do something about it, where as much as like Carmen says, it's a scary jump, but you then have options. Because I think a lot of us who maybe some of the listeners of the podcast think they've got no freaking options. You know, they're sitting there getting a job all the time and they've got, well, what else do I do? I've got my hobby, but, but now is, is this all I've got in life? And so that's, that's what mm. really drove us to go, the fear of the, okay, what is it going to take for us to leap? And obviously, you, you're probably going to say that, you know, we, we bought a plane ticket to Germany. We bought that six months. That was the first thing we did. It's like, okay, our, we settle in Germany for our first jump. And handed our notice. And handed in our notice, got rid of everything. And I mean, literally everything we owned. Car. Car, sofa, television, even, you name it, everything. Memorabilia, even things we've we stored for years because I'm a yeah. big video game fan from, from a kid and all magazines and all the video game machines I kept so reluctantly sold. But one of the things we said, you know, we can't allow possessions to tie us back. We can always buy them again. And that was such a liberating thing, I mm -hmm. think, because it freed up cash. Can't work our ass off 
for six months as in, in a freelance position because she managed to go from, from a full-time to freelance to get double the pay, which really helped. I think and... for the first time when we had that scope, I I don't know what happened, but um, something switched in my head and I got really, really ballsy. Um, in an industry where actually it's man-dominated, um, I don't know how or how many would know, but audiovisual, um, doing conference calls, um, not Skype, but literally uh, on, a, on a higher level, Tanberg, Sony, you name it, these are the like television conferences that I did for the top 50 in bank in the banking industry in Barclays. Um, and I solely did it for those guys. Um, they demanded that I was the only person to do that for them. Um, and I had to sign countless NDAs, like non-disclosure agreements. Um, so I wouldn't talk about what is going on behind closed doors in, in the banking industry. Um, as you can imagine, there's a whole load of shit going on. Um, and I, I still can't repeat it, but it's it's not pleasant um, to know all of it and, and not being able to do anything, say anything or act upon it. Um, I feel you there. I feel you there because, you know, being in the military, working in submarines yeah. for, you know, a long time, we did a lot of shit, saw a lot of shit, you know, mm -hmm. and you no, know, didn't say anything about it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, and I didn't have the worst military career either. You know, there were guys that had it much worse than me, you know, especially, you know, soldiers and things like that, you know, went out and saw the real shit. I was, you know, trapped in a steel can underwater. So, you know, I definitely feel you there. So, yeah. So my head all of a sudden was, okay, if I am that good, then I'm literally letting go of my job. I'm doing this freelance, um, giving up the security of if I am ill tomorrow, I won't have the security there that I will be continued, you know, paid. But what it did for me is, I could ask for the money that I actually thought I was worth. And all of a sudden, my pay went from, what did I earn? I think it was £31,000 a year at the time. And um, I had, as a literal outcome, if I would have worked every day as they wanted me do, to, I would have had double. Um, but what I actually did was I said to Tony, we need some time to actually, you know, tidy up things, get things online to sell them, make all the sales and prepare all the sales, get things in order for us to be able to leave. So what I did was work three days, have two days off. Yeah. Um, so, so long, long story short, you guys set in a plan, you formulated yeah. a plan you were saving money, working extra, and yes. then and you you bought a ticket, so you had no choice. You had to you had to take the flights. Yeah. You sold everything you had. You and you had everything ready to go, and there was no what what was the how did you close the back door, so there was no no you know safety. Ticket. There was a one way ticket. There is literally no no home essentially to go to yeah um so, since tony and i have not really got family um where we can stay for ever let's put it that way um 
we we are very self-sufficient um and the back door closed means we've literally broken all ties in terms of working handed in our notice and said we won't come back i had an instant offer saying oh if you if you're back and i had a couple of times people check in with me coming are you in the country um by then and then i'm like nope i'm not and i wasn't so there was not even the slightest possibility for me to get there and with us having as well managed inverted commas only to have half a year's worth of savings uh, that would secure us to get through all the financial you know outgoings for six months there was no extra spending that we could add to go to England to make an extra little you know bit on the side or something like that we had to make it work there was no other choice. No. Because yeah. our, our business and everything was still registered in England, just so people were aware. Yes. Because, yes, we left. We have no, had no home in England. But my sister kindly said, you know, you can put your post. address to, to here for your post. So, you know, that was just purely the post because we can't stay there. She's got a child and everything and she's married. It just wouldn't be fair. Yeah. So that's all yeah. we have. But, yeah, that's, that's basically how we did it. Amazing, like, story. Because now, you know, your publication is of amazing quality and and also your reach is amazing you have this huge facebook group you know that is interacting with you guys um you make short films uh of all your guys that you're you know you're featuring um you know you're traveling the world i mean how many countries have you actually re have you been to do you even oh. know oh. wow i would say top of my head i think 12 no it's more than that is it more i mean we have never calculated we have never calculated it through um i think it might be roughly around that time in the last six years we've moved 16, around um, 20. yeah i mean i, I probably in total we probably had 20 odd countries but i think since i've traveled i reckon 12 because we had traveled it before not extensively but what Except we were we are going as well to various countries several times. So yes. it's not as if we're constantly going to new countries. Because the aim when we left as well, yes, we have family in Germany because Carmen's from Germany. I've got family in France because part of my family's French. We have some in America. And one of the things some that we've... Sweden. And some in Sweden as well. And one of the things we said to the family, we don't see you often enough. And we, we could stay a little bit in between our travels with them. But also because of the vast community of car people around the world, mm. there was people who were saying... Wow, you guys are doing this thing. I mean, yeah, you guys, if you come into our country, you can crash with us. Don't worry about hotels, you know, your family. And we were like really taken back because we were friends, but we mm -hmm. never expected them to say, You've got a spare room. You can hang out mm -hmm. with us. And what's really great is because they are part of the community of cars like mm -hmm. we had for years, that it allowed us to be within the people we love anyway. And they allowed us a base to go out there and capture the content we could never do before because from weekends in the UK, you know, you can't really afford to fly over to America for a week or travel to Europe for a few days. At least going over on a, on a visa for a few months to our friends in America and California, which we did three, four years in a, in a row, allowed us to build the community out in California mm -hmm. more than we would have ever done. Because ironically, our biggest audience, even though we were UK based, was the West Coast of, of America. And we're like, that's incredible. The way mm -hmm. the UK 
but those guys over there. So we yeah. made our mission to go, okay, if we've got audiences out there, let's go and build our audience more. Let's, let's go cater meet to them. them. Yeah. Exactly. And, and we had ambitions to meet okay. different people that we'd never had the opportunity before and just to expand on another level. Mm. And and then, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss how it unfolds to get there, but there's, there's so many more little nooks and crannies that we'll discuss in a second. But yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you went over there to, to basically allow the magazine to talk their language didn't you realistically because you know that they have their own style their own way of doing things right and noticing that you have an audience there you need to capitalize on that audience and to to maintain their attention on your magazine you got to also talk with them and often that's through their cultural things so like for example like west coast is a lot of low riders and stuff right that's right. Yeah. So, so talk, talking, talking that sort of start that language, yeah. you know, will will keep your readers engaged. And I think that's, I think that's really important to see that that you know you guys saw who your audience was and made sure that they were catered for. It's um, it's actually an interesting subject to to touch on either way because over time, Tony and I were inverted commas I'm saying reminded that we have to be more niche we have to narrow down a little bit more we have to make it more specific of if we wanted to go anywhere so we had all these you know people telling us what we should and shouldn't do and we always felt that's not right for us now when you mention uh you know go to west coast uh, california go to in specifically into the low rider um genre you have a very specific language and that's a lifestyle language that is being spoken um go over to japan you still have low riders but there's a slightly different language that is being spoken come back over to the uk come out to europe in general there are low riders but the language is slightly different. And what we notice, mm. what we do, and this, we are very perceptive people. We we try to hone in and listen in. This is our this is our forte, really. Um, we hone into what people do and where we have language barriers. And I mean by language barriers as well, lifestyle barriers, where one genre in 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 LA might say. Well, I really don't get why uh, the chapter out in, uh, they call it chapters, out in Europe is doing X, Y, and Z. And we're like, that is because, and we can explain because we have been there. Mm. Uh, so out in Europe, for example, the, the lowriders have to sit a little bit higher, and that is by law. They can't go as low as the lowriders out in America can. So mm. they always wonder, well, a proper lowrider should be sitting low. And we're like, they can't. They can't. Quite literally, they are not allowed to. So, so you guys are like the translators, pretty much, right? Bridging those gaps, those language barriers, has become our forte. And that's why we do what we are doing. Yeah, I mean, when, when we thought of Superfly from the beginning, um, we always wanted to, to have an eclectic mix of car culture types that everyone could appreciate each other's styling because, mm -hmm. you know, out there there's too many people who are a little bit like being a racist, you know, you you have this perception of someone else and you don't really understand and suddenly you get to know them like they're just like me. And we wanted to make people to really appreciate that whole mix of different yeah. kind of cars from like a low rider to a hot rider to retro cars. And 
the whole ethos for us for the brand of Superfly was the word Superfly was 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 given to the brand because it means really cool. Mm-hmm. So we only want to really feature the most creative builds. You know, like you, you with your podcast, you feature people who create some of the most amazing things. And same with cars, no different. They are builders of these amazing vehicles. Mm-hmm. And also, this is how we roll. Is the tagline is there? They they are people that are not afraid to express their individuality. If they want to drive a car in this way, that's what they will express. And if other people don't like that, that's we don't care. And so for us, it's like we want to find those people, show them that actually check out these low ride dudes in LA, but then check out these guys in the UK with these Volkswagens. And they're like, man, these cars are cool. We've, we, we've never known of these guys before, but they can appreciate and respect what they do. For us, that's a big deal um, to be able to do that because then you're bridging gaps mm-hmm. of knowledge. You're, you're sharing ideas of creativity. Oh, maybe I can do that to my build. Oh, that's really cool. You've actually used that styling, which is what we do in the low rider culture onto your Volkswagen so much respect for you you're actually paying homage to what we do that's insane and then through that you start to realize these guys are actually really cool dudes you know some of them have got massive tattoos all over them and then mm. you find out this is their business you go let's talk about that let's talk about your art in in, in tattooing but then suddenly it's fused into the car it becomes this whole amazing lifestyle and it's it's a family as well and so we were wanting to be the ones i think in europe and england that would have no fear and to step into, as an example, we'll go into this, into Compton in Los Angeles, which is one of the roughest parts of the world, as most people probably know, and hang out with a whole low-riding community. And bear in mind, a lot of these are black and Mexican, and we're white folk <laughs> from all the other side of the planet. Yes. And we are mixing with these guys, documenting their journey. And they're like, after a few years of doing this, we've been now told by one of the most highest in that, in that field that, we are deemed as the ones who are outside of that culture documenting and showing what they do and showing them in a light, which isn't about just gang culture. Mm. And for us, like, that's really cool. And people are like, what, you're hanging out in Covington? Isn't that dangerous? I'm like, well, of course it can be dangerous, but we, we're quite streetwise people and we try mm. to be just normal people, not doing anything to piss anybody off. And we don't hang out in dodgy areas. We, we, we're the right people and being there it shows that actually a brill, a, a kind of a breakdown that actually white people are not so bad towards us because unfortunately there is stigmas of race, racial influences yes. between all this to some of the cultures. We have. And we just, we're not fearful of, of doing that. We'll hang out with anybody. If they've got a cool ride, it doesn't matter who you are. We'll, we'll hang out. We've been with some insanely cool people for that. And it opens up a side of life that we would have never. No. You know, I mean, going into Compton and having street racing you're, inv- you're invited to go to which is an eye-opener having police helicopters all over trying to close the whole street <laughs> down we are then having to jump into cars and then drive off somewhere else being followed by police being followed by police <laughs> and then we arrive back at the hotel with the videography you took for the first time outside of the uk going what the hell have you just put me through in the last 24 hours i've just come from leicester and now i'm in compton being chased by gangsters and all sorts of like low rise i'm like what and, and for us, it's like, that's insanely amazing to be a side of life that you would not see in an office every day. Yeah. Mm. Though I have to add, there was never really a danger. No. Not in our minds. No. We're always, we're always street smart. We always make yeah. sure the safety first of everybody around us. We don't put ourselves in danger just for the story. No. We want to get close enough to be able to show a good side of what people may deem as negative when it's not. Let's talk about creativity. You guys, you know, produce a publication uh, that's pretty broad and you know how do you how 
how do you find new creative angles to shoot, for example, a car or, you know, take in some, like tell someone's story that maybe you never told before? You know, so, you know, when you're producing new content, like how do you stay relevant to your readers and, and, and make sure you capture that? I think the first thing to stay relevant um, before we think about how we could document, photograph, film that person, the thing that Cohen and I have been really good at for many, many years, we have this ability to feel our way and with our eyes to seem to find the right kind of vehicles to capture. That's number one, because there's a lot of people who come to us and go, it's only you guys who just seems to be able to hone in and find those unique vehicles that have been built. How do you do that? Like, that's, I don't know. It's just an inherent ability that we just have. We just I, seem to be able to find think, the ones that stand out. I think it has been honed over years mm. and years and years. True. Um, and I think it comes back to as well what I mentioned earlier, a, a specific way of perceiving things. Um, for both of us, when it comes to creativity, creativity is an extension of what's in your mind and you are displaying it freely for everyone to see, actually. 100%. Um, and this is, this is how we, we are working from that backwards. We see the car and we have that ability. And this is, this is an ability um, that has only been honed over time and there's no rhyme or reason how we did it. It just comes to us. Um, we see the car, we see the, the creation in essence, and we can make up almost the story or we can say I'm intrigued about that mind behind that car and that's how it always starts for us it's like yeah. okay let's get in touch with that person let's see how it's like a, a tap on the shoulder and to hear what the story is and for us then to say yes let's take that how this is relevant if it is relevant to us it will be relevant to a wider audience because the wider audience is following us. They are there for a reason. So we have to trust in, in essence, that what we give our audience is relevant to them. Yeah. Do, you, do, do you find that, you know, that you see a feature on a car and you think that that feature is unusual, that must mean there's a, a interesting creative mind behind that build, yes. you know? Um, there is, there Often is, it is. It is. There is. There is something about the way the car is being put together, and from a from a visual perspective, when you see, there's there's a lot of things in the design of it, from uh, the way it's been executed, the 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 combination of you know the paint, the wheels, and whatever else has been done, where you can instantly see that there's something there with the one who creates it, and there's got to be something really special behind that. It's just a visual thing. It's like in life, you know. We naturally, as human beings, are attracted by beautiful things. And if it's something that, that repels you, you just can be like, I just don't want to know. Now, we look at some vehicles where some people will go, I wouldn't really go for that, but we see something far beyond that. And suddenly when we then show it to people, like, I would have never thought, but now I look at it, I'm like, holy cow, it's just, this is incredible. It's just, it's amazing. So every time we see it, it's just like, when, when we go to car events, is one of probably the prime examples. We'll go to a car event for two days. And there's probably about 500 vehicles, but we'll probably walk away with maybe 20 numbers, telephone numbers from the owners, because that's all there is we want to bring out from there. You know, there's probably another 100 that are absolutely amazingly done, well built, but there's just not enough character behind it. Because then, of course, then when you want to showcase this in a photograph, 
uh, and write about it. Mm. And then also blog. There's got to be more yeah. substance than somebody who's just literally, you know, got a brand new car, put a set of wheels on it, and just on a, a little audio installation. That's that's just okay, but it's not going to float anybody's mm. inspiration and creativity to go. Damn, he's done that to that car. I've got that car. Hey, maybe I can do this to mine now. So what happens is then the creativeness behind that build is then passed on to the next person who's looking for ideas and the next one and the next one. And then what happened with our community, why it's so communicative and engaging is that we've seemed to have honed an audience that have gone, holy cow, going to Superfly Autos, we're getting a complete eclectic mix, which mm. now to find out for creative inspiration for my next project and that's insane because that's cool for us because that was what we wanted from the beginning to inspire others to build something instead of just trying to go and do do what everyone else does and just put some wheels put it on the floor that's just boring yeah because well, they're not getting hot just hot rods they're not getting like jdm cars they're not just getting the one type of car they're just get they're getting a complete world view of cars yeah. right that that's it and you know justin i i truly truly believe that uh, creativity is expressive living um and and you will find uh your own personal exterior to that in what we have a connection to is cars we love that side of it but it doesn't matter where that creativity comes out it might be your home it might be any kind of interior you're doing it might be trash you see and in your head this is that that comes out all of that translates into your expressiveness mm. um and this is how you communicate it's a for me creativity is a me means of additional communication and take away from um verbalization only because if for example if i can look at a car and i think you know what that is an amazing car and i'm going to give you an example um years ago we saw a beautiful little beetle um going into uh, ultima Devstro, which was up north in england both of us were almost instantly in love with that beetle thought we need to find the owner of that took us ages to find the owner the owner was actually not even 18 at that point now the story supported everything that was in that creative outlet he had that car from i think when he was 12 mm -hmm. way before he was able to drive both his father and grandfather were car creation uh, creators sorry um so he adapted by means of learning himself his own car for when he is 18. So yeah, you built it over the years, didn't you? Exactly. So he made his own money for that. He created everything around it. And you know what? The love that went into that car, that is what we picked up straight away. And that is what makes it so sellable as a story as well. It's like, because if there are so many people, and this is one of the biggest complaints we hear, there are no youngsters, there are no youngsters. Well, then train the youngsters. There are enough youngsters out there. They all can be trained. Whatever luck you see in that, if you see it, it's your duty to pick up on it and make it better. That's my adaptation to all of that. Look, it's really interesting that you guys can see the fact that the 
the creativity flows through the expression in their their car and you know and that you guys are providing a platform for others to see the creative side of others so they that they can use those things that they love about that particular build in their own build and then potentially also be on the cover of superfly magazine superfly autos magazine you know like it's it's really cool and i think um i think it's something that uh i i personally love because i i have the i would love to get back into cars but to be honest i i think um my dash is done with cars at the moment i i've got bigger priorities uh you guys don't even have a car is that right no we sold no. our last car before we left we had to um no. it, it wouldn't actually make any viable sense because we like, too much we move on a consistent basis yeah. and not just within one country that would make it actually brilliant if it would be one country or at least then only the european continent but we are constantly like we are nowhere more than three months. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. Mm, mm. Um, and having a car in the UK for less than three months a year. Yeah, it wouldn't be worth it. it no, I get. I get that. I, <laughs> cars here in Norway are just ridiculously expensive. Like you just you have no idea. Like triple any cost that a car costs in the UK. It's just ridiculous. So. I'm not even going to even look at it, but um, what I'm what I do want to look at is a little bit of your uh, memorable milestones uh, for your magazine and for your careers in cars. Um, I thought this would be a little bit of a chance for you to indulge and, and share some of your bragworthy milestones. Do you want to share some of those with us? Bragworthy master, that's hilarious. Um... Well, I guess let's let's start. Well, we mentioned back. one earlier. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned Jay Leno, didn't you? Oh okay, yeah, so we mentioned that as well. Jay Leno. So yeah, we managed to interview him in his garage, where obviously the the, the show that he has, Jay Leno's garage. That's uh, massive, by the way. That's, that's massive. A lot, of, a lot of people say that to us too, and we were like, "Gosh, how would we do that?" Um, Common and I have a way to not be fearful of reaching out to people who are deemed the high on a pedestal. And so for us, with social media, we've become really good at understanding how to reach out to certain individuals to reach to that. So Jay Leno was one person that we actually managed to have as a guest, which was phenomenal for us, mm -hmm. through actually having a coffee with his director, who we met through Instagram whilst we were in Los Angeles. We saw him. We said, oh, you're a cool dude. We'd love to have you as an interview. And he really is a cool dude. And he's really cool. And we said, do you want me to talk for coffee? And it happened. We met. We sat for a few hours. And then... Cut long story short, here later on, we came back to the US and he was like, I've got you the interview with Jay. And we were just like, jaws to the floor. Holy <laughs> shit, is it actually going to happen? He's like, Yeah, we're just going to put you to it. But it's publicist and he's really busy. So I don't know how and when, but keep 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 in contact and something should happen. Awesome. Which, which happens. Uh, is there a lot? There's a few stumbling stones and that. That's why Tony is getting like, Yeah. Oh, okay. Another, uh, I mean, another one. I mean, we could talk about. I mean, let's go to right at the top because these definitely, I would think, were the best ones. So if anyone loves rap and hip-hop, obviously the, the group Cypress Hill may obviously ring a bell to some who obviously used to listen to them in the 90s until now. So the frontman Be Real, who sings with a very high-pitched voice, since I was a kid and was 15, I used to listen to their music. And I, got in, when we got into Superfly together, we realized that, you know, this guy's into low-riding. And we thought, 
you know how dope that would be to actually get this guy interviewed? I mean, this would be fucking amazing, but how the hell is that going to happen? I mean, this is a guy like Jay Leno. How the hell do you get to go to yeah. this chat? Talk we, about dream to reality. Exactly. So we mm. had a win that was quite big in terms of people we'd love to get. And we know, never knew how we would meet them. But what happened is we knew by being in that country of the West Coast of America, obviously in Los Angeles, that we had a better chance. Yeah. Because people said, you know, you do get to meet some of these guys at car shows. It can happen. So we thought, if we're there, there's a better chance. But obviously being very good on Instagram, we've got a high following as well. We're very good at listening on Instagram as well in the hashtags. And we just happened one day to be out shopping and I saw a hashtag where just finished working on Beria's latest lowrider car. And I was like, oh A very God. small account, you know, unknown yep. to us before as well. And we went mm. into the place and checked out this guy as a garage, SNMK Customs, Louis, his name was. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's just finished his car. So I literally, I didn't waste a minute. My impulse was act. I acted. I went on the back end of Instagram and said, hey, Louis, we are two from England. This is who we are. We're out here documenting car culture. You know, Be Real being someone we've been wanting to do this for a long time. You obviously got a garage. We'd love to do a store on you and Be Real. Can we make this work? And then I think, what, a few hours later, the phone rings on our cell phone. And a number we didn't know from the US and uh, picked up the phone. And it was like, hey, man, this is Louis. I'm just on the phone to Be Real. And I've just told him about your magazine, and he's down for the shoot, man. And we were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we thought, I felt like, I, I said to Carmen, what? Really? He's like, yeah, man, you, you, you just just spoke to him now. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. If you if you could come a week tomorrow, um, he's picking the car up, and that'd be cool. And we're like, oh, frick, yeah, we're going to do that. I was like, holy shit. It was like cloud nine, because we were like, okay, you know, when you when you think about how you would reach people like this who would probably get inundated with people yeah. consistently haunting them trying to hunt them for the wrong reasons we just want yeah. to actually do the journey we just saw a back door of you know being honest and open to someone who's like the work you've done is amazing plus he's somebody who wanted to do something on for a long time can we make this work the guy was like cool you guys are genuine you're from late you're from london happy to make this work so a week later yeah we turn up and he, he was there. He turns up, we were just like, this is crazy. You know, since the childhood, you listen to the music and he turns up, it's just like surreal. But he was a humble guy, really nice. Yeah. And we did a little IGTV video on Instagram. It's on there. You can see that. And then after that, he's like, I've only got half an hour because I've got a show to do. And so basically, he's like, well, if you guys want, you can come to the studio in LA. We, we did rush his uh, shoot through. So we did get the photo shoot done first because that was our predominant thing to do but he did then genuinely just invite us to come mm -hmm. along to his studio which was like uh yeah we are going this <laughs> this, this sounds like story time coming here this <laughs> should we should we spin it are we doing story time story time she stared at the gown and thought yes this is something my husband would wear i think so so what happened is then he had a uh, a tow truck to carry the the low rider on the back because LA traffic, as most probably know, is right. crazy. The car would overheat. There's too many cars. Not only that, there's huge ramples uh, yeah. in in the road as well. So exactly. And plus, yeah. he had to rush back to do the show. So if anybody doesn't know what Be Real does as a show, he has his own kind of Be Real TV. Be Real TV, and also what's called the Smoke Box. So Be Real TV is literally on a, a Facebook live where he talks everything about weed and the whole industry and rap, which is pretty cool. And the other thing, which is what we didn't realize what was going to happen while we returned to the studio, is the car was going to be part of the show called The Smoke Box. And we're like, what the hell is that? So the car drives into the studio, 
And we're told at the time, you can't give the address away, so take off your GPS off yeah. your phone. Any pictures, we don't want to disclose the location. As you can imagine, fans could turn up out of nowhere. And they literally pulled up this car into the studio, and they put all lighting around it, so softbox, light, softbox lighting, a lot of GoPros inside the dashboard, inside the car. Mm-hmm. And he literally has an interview inside the car with some famous celebrity or sports athlete and smoke weed, get high as hell while talking life. And so we yeah, that's dope as fuck. We, we came in. <laughs> that's so good. So two guys after us coming in with huge bags of weed. Oh my God, the weed. I mean, we, I mean, obviously everyone yeah. probably right now realizes how weed is becoming more legalized globally. But when you go back to when we were the age of 15, 16, they were frowned upon, especially as I still, they were saying, you know, they were dope heads, they smoke this weed, it makes you crazy. Yet now, flip and reverse, they're walking in with bags of legal weed, which were like balloon size this big, walking past us. Yeah, we're just going to sit down. They're all rolling up on these couches, these big joints. And I'm just like, this is insane to watch this because, especially when I was 15, I used to go to the local park after school and there'd be guys used to smoke weed and go to the house and get weed and stuff. I didn't smoke it, but I was with them. And yet it was naughty, but then it's just like normal. It's like having a coffee. They're sitting there, yeah, man, let's just roll this weed out. And we're like, <laughs> just on the fumes. We didn't have to smoke. Yeah. We're like, hey, I'm feeling kind of weird. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to smoke. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But the, the absolute best thing, I think, um, Tony and I were just aimlessly standing in the middle of all of this, looking left, right, not quite sure what to make of all of this. Our uh, eyes were caught by uh, a whiteboard on the wall. And on the whiteboard, it said in big capital letters, wish list. And the wish list was actually to the people he wanted to invite on his smokebox show. And Tony and I were just looking at one another, looking at the board, thinking, you know, here's be real. Like celebrity. Access to anyone and everyone he would, you know, or you could imagine um and he has a wish list just like that yeah lady gaga uh vin diesel all huge actors and actresses you can imagine Mm. different movies and we are thinking no way this is what we're doing he's doing the exact same even though he's in the same place yeah exactly like i'm I'm doing right now i got a wish list too (laughs) no no difference no difference that's important because you've got as a creator person because we're all creators but not all of us manage to bring the creativity out because i think we're jaded through education and all sorts of bs in life we've got to aim high you know so any of your listeners or previous uh guests you've had on you've got to aim for that person who's really high it doesn't matter it's not about ego for us it was like to be in the presence of somebody who's created a life that's way beyond the norm and actually created something so freaking cool through music and touched millions, to be in that presence and just have that for a moment is, yeah, not only do you learn, but it's, it's cool as fuck. It's not about check us out, we've been with Be Real. Yeah, it's a great thing to have, but it's like, do you realize we're around somebody who's created something so insanely incredible? And that inspires the shit out of us mm-hmm. too. It's like the inspiration we got was mental, mm-hmm. but at the same time. It fires us up. And at the same time, one thing that we do, and I think it's a tidbit for quite a few people, is that we always have our head in opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when we were watching this Smokebox interview, he was with this guy that we didn't know. And he was a very uh, successful, world-renowned kickboxing champion in in California. And I saw that with Carmen. We thought, that's an opportunity to interview this dude. He loves cars as well. We met his manager. And to this day, we're now connected to his manager. We're yet to do an interview with him where it's going to happen. But through him... We're actually going to also interview 
a UFC champion called Nate Diaz, who actually fought the Conor McGregor guy from Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. He's on the cards for us to when we go back to LA to actually interview him. And it's like this rolling effect of like when you meet someone, someone else goes, hey, you guys are cool. Do you know what? I'm going to introduce you to this dude. And I'm going to put you in front of this because you guys are doing something quite unique and special. And we've adapted that all the time whenever we do Superfly, whenever mm. we want to reach such people like Be Real or Jay Leno to see who else through that door. Because once you get endorsed by one, others are more likely to go, well, if you guys have been featured with this publication or this podcast like yourselves, I want to do that. And because mm. I've checked out as well and I see that what they do is right up my street, I'm down. And that's what we got from that experience. It was yeah. just like, wow, we've not only just got to be real, but now we're connected to these dudes who think we're cool and vice versa. And we're like now in connection. And and this manager who looks after him was actually managing Jean-Claude Van Damme at some point. And we're like, could we get Jean-Claude Van Damme? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so <good. laughs> He's not that much into cars, though. But I'm like, oh, maybe we could try because this dude's cool. I used to watch all yeah. this film as a kid. I'm like, that would be dope. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's so true. Um, yeah, keeping the I mean, dreams alive. There's other stories as well. I mean, we can share them if you want, but I mean, there's another one we can think of. But you tell us what you want to find out, man. We're open. I wanted to go into Inspiration Nation. Yeah, yeah. Inspiration Nation. Because uh, 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 uh. you guys now, you guys start talking about a lot about. You know, people that you you inspiring, and you know, like people that you just started connecting with. You know, are there any sort of I call them everyday creative heroes? They're people that you know just doing the thing. Uh, they're maybe not so well known, but you know, they just love what they do and they inspire you. Have you got anyone like that? I've got one, but if you've got one, shoot first. I would like to mention uh, Max Grundy. Mm. I don't know if anybody would know him, um, but he is, he's a sort of uh, painter as well as like artist, stroke artist, as well as a park creator. But um, like for years, I was always wondering who is doing all the SEMA gear? Like SEMA is the best known, biggest industry car in, in the Car show, thank you, in our industry. Mm. And it happens every year in uh, Vegas. And there's loads of gear, like gear is in caps, uh, t shirts, um, hoodies, you name it, it's there uh, for people to take away. And I always was wondering who the hell is behind those? They are absolutely phenomenal. They're amazing. And behind those drawings is a, a husband and wife duo just like like us more or less uh, his wife is helping him keeping the shop and everything up but max grundy is the creator of all of that um now go and look him up he he is really a hero family father um doing the best he can um and he has an amazing amazing mindset to everything he does he, his work was also hired by the likes of disney yes um he did a lot of drawings for disney but you wouldn't know well. Well, you wouldn't know. He's he, such he, a humble dude. Absolutely. We didn't know till we finally met him one day after seeing him on social. And they were like, oh, yeah, I did that for Disney film. And I, I can't remember which ones. I think Cars is maybe one of them. I think it was Cars. And we're like, dude, no way. That's 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 insane. We didn't even know that you no. were creating certain parts of the cartoon. We're like, wow. We're like, gosh, this guy does uh, put himself in different places. But he's just loving his work. He's just humble as hell. And uh, 
just wants to put it out there. Cool. What about you, Tony? For me, I think I'm going to pick not necessarily a person, but a certain community that we actually found through what we've done for the last mm-hmm. 10 years. And we have a community of Hot Wheels creators. So the little mm-hmm. cars, when you're a child, we've got a community who are actually creating customized versions of lifestyle vehicles but made into the small cars. People. Oh, they, my God. That sounds awesome. Incredibly talented. It's so phenomenal that we're now dedicating a lot of what we do yeah. to them as well. We did a competition for the Hull community worldwide two years ago with Hot Wheels as, as backing us. And we wanted to share what they do because some of these dudes and even ladies can't afford a car. They can't afford to build one. They've got too many things going on. But what they do is they take pride in buying one of these little cars and recreating exactly what they would have as the actual real mm-hmm. car in their life. And that to me is insane. They also create them sell them off for charity to help charity charitable causes it's sometimes some people's living so they'll build one and say hey i'm selling this for 50 bucks and someone would just love to have that on their mantelpiece and they're making the money making business from it the fascinating it's... part for me actually is that uh their toolkit essentially looks like a real man's garage it is it's like, like the kitchen a life top. size where it's a garage with spanners in, this big. in miniature form it looks <laughs> amazing um, do you want to just name one so yeah, people I mean, can look it up? There's loads, but we, we obviously met all these guys online and ladies. But one guy we actually met physically, ironically, coming from my hometown in Stoke-on-Trent in North England. His name's Chris, and he has the account called Sideways King 75 This dude, he has a little garage within his house. He's got all the tools you would think in a car garage, but in miniature size, and the talent that he has for creating not only vlogging, the way he builds, yeah. the way he teaches people, is it's blown us away. So, yeah, Sideways King 75 is one of the guys of so many that we're just like, this is amazing. The talent, the, the actual patience to yeah. do something like that. Because some of the details are so minute. And, the, and they, they, they mix in things like steampunk style. Uh, they mix cartoons within a car. And they come out with this thing. You're like, how does this even compute? That's and so we, cool. That's yeah. really cool. Incredible yeah all right um let, let's move it on let's uh let's go into random question oh. <laughs> what do we have what do we get just <laughs> there's been some complaints that uh some of my questions i never answer so i just want to be sure that there's no specific answer for this question so you guys have to just make up your answer. <laughs> are you are you ready? Ready. Fire away. <laughs> How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Well, it depends. I think one chicken with a fucking machine gun, that'd probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> and just one chicken in that space. That's your cartoon mind, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think that the elephant would run away seeing a chicken either way because they run away from mice as well, no? I guess so, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anything weird that run away from is big. I, I weirdly had this choking like idea that the chickens had to be stuffed in the elephant's, elephant's <laughs> mouth and trunk. So oh, that sounds very violent. <laughs> For a minute, that actually thought it through his butthole, but then I guess. <laughs> Which way? Not, I'm <laughs> I know, I know. That's why, that's why I was like, what? 
I, I didn't mean I didn't mean stuff him with chickens. Specifically, misunderstandings easily happen. Yes. All right, let's let's move it on. Let's go to hack attack. This is hack attack. I will not apologize for this bad intro. Have you got any, any tips or tricks for the people out there? Maybe maybe photography, maybe uh, writing stuff or anything? Anything you want to share? I have something. Or do you there's, want to go? There's two things I have, but go you on. go first. Okay, well, the first thing, because uh, you're talking to a creative audience, a lot of your people are very creative people. The one thing I know that the, the thing that creative people have to get into is marketing. Get to learn Digitalize. marketing digitally because you probably have the best product and it's freaking amazing and if you don't learn that and get in the trenches for that not anybody's going to see you so get into social media start to learn facebook instead out tiktok instagram youtube get in the trenches practice fail forward and do that because eventually what will happen it will also open up a door so you can start understand your audience to get leverage as to where to push your products 100 percent there's there's two tidbits really that I've got and this is through long years of learning. Um, the first thing is that you know so often Tony and I actually slated ourselves for not having the camera in our hands or haven't got the camera with us but the best camera you always have with you is your phone really. That is the best camera um, and I'm not saying in terms of the quality but it's because it's in your hand. So don't miss an opportunity just because you don't have your camera. Document the hell out of everything you do. Yep. You'll be grateful afterwards. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many little things where we often said, looked back and said, if we only would have had our camera, I'm like, we are so dumb. Why didn't we use this? Can I just add to that? Um, Carmen's got a good point. I didn't mean to interrupt. Let's take, for example, right now, obviously, the whole coronavirus thing is not a pleasant thing for the entire world. No. We can't travel to photograph. We can't move. Obviously, we're in lockdown. Mm -hmm. When we go back to moving, we don't even know what kind of restrictions we'll have. Mm -hmm. Because we've documented so much content through our phones, through our DSLR cameras, we have, if we didn't have to shoot any cars... For the next year. For, well, for the next year. We've probably going off for two or three years' worth of content right now. That hasn't been seen. So what Carmen says is really crucial because through social media, content creation is your, is your best friend and you've got to be able to have so much content to keep pushing every single day your message because there's a lot of people out there pushing out similar things and if you haven't got enough content to break through the noise, then you're not going to be seen. So yeah, sorry, I just wanted to add that. Yeah. As no. a creator, that would be I, I completely agree with you guys because, you know, for example, you guys asked me about have I had I documented my, you know, 1932 Ford build and I yeah. hadn't like I barely took pictures of it like I literally was so entrenched in the build trying to get it finished because I also had a deadline to get it done by you know um and I you know I didn't take the documentation and I feel like I'm kicking myself right now because that car was amazing and beautiful and it was a lovely build and I thoroughly enjoyed it but I have very little documentation of how I actually built it. Yeah. And all the, I mean, I really should have had the video camera going all the time, at least, 
you know, I would have been able to document something, even if I didn't know at that point how to shoot video footage, you know, I would have had something. Well, and I know, the same, the oh, same goes, the same goes for like right now, you know, like um, I'm building a sofa beer fridge as you, uh, most of my listeners kind of may know, and I don't, I haven't documented it enough. And so now I'm starting to like take photos, even just, just so I got Instagram posts. Yeah. Just things like that. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not much more than that. It's just, you know, because if I don't put out things and people don't know what I do and therefore you can't ever build on what you're trying to build on. So and it's the same like what you talked about marketing, right? You know, we I'm trying to market myself in what I do. Uh, but if I don't tell anyone, how can I grow? <laughs> like yeah. simple as that. That's that's pretty much what it sums up. Like the yeah. one Tony said, and what I said, tie into one another. We, if you have no material to talk about yourself, what are you talking about? Because we we came from a point of view that we didn't have a lot of uh, financial backing to be able to create so much content, so we leveraged our time so that every mm -hmm. ounce of when we travel, we'd capture so much content. We'd be driving down the road, a car drives past us, which is really cool. Car would be hanging out the window filming it. And capturing that content, we can now use that as TikTok as a 15 second clip. That's it. Put music over that, we can, you know, thousands of views. It's it's that kind of content that it really does allow you to leverage your brand to a level that money can't buy. And if you don't have the money, you have that content. But we seven years ago kicked ourselves, just like you said to yourself. We were on a YouTube video the day. I thought, shoot, man, we did that what seven years ago? We didn't start, we didn't complete film, yeah. we didn't continue. What the fuck was wrong with us? Mm. But this is the one thing I want to bring across is that don't kick yourself too much because I know I can be a, a bastard for kicking myself for things, mm -hmm. but it's a mental thing because sometimes it's, it's a new way of life, which you're not used to. And you also think you're not good enough. You're not a superhuman either. And you just think, oh, but I just don't get it. And, and it takes a while for your brain to go. That's what I need to do. Now, now it's second nature for us to get up in the morning, Instagram all the time, collect content, shoot everything, consistently be in that place that snap, 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 film, 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 film. And we're thinking five miles ahead. That piece of content right now, I was like, okay, we did that today. That could be used for a blog post two weeks from now. Or that piece could be evergreen content, which if a trend comes back around, that thing can be used then down the line. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking as a creator in that way with marketing. Whatever we're capturing, because in your workshop, I'm guaranteeing there's so much. We can probably start, stand in your workshop tomorrow and go, you can film that, you can do this, you can take a picture of this, you can talk about that. But that's because we put ourselves in the trenches to do that work. And because of the lack of money, we thought, how do we create more from the little we had? Yeah. And we yeah. then started documenting. That's why it was interesting. When we started to listen to Gary Vaynerchuk as one of the people we look up to, I thought, that's crazy. We were doing what he's doing now way before we even knew him. But that's not because of marketing. We did it out of lack of income. Mm. But it ended up being in our favor because yeah. in marketing is clever because you're trying to outweigh less outgoings for your business and try and profitize that. So we yeah. were spending less on a weekend. We go, okay, $40 of fuel for a car show, two days out there. We've come back out with five feature cars and probably enough content for the next six months from one event. And that's how we do it. And as a creator like you, just because you're in a garage, doing your thing, you've got so much you can do in that way to expand with that mobile yeah. phone, like Carmen says. It's insane. It's the other amazing. tidbit, and that ties into what we just all three of us mentioned, is like if you digitize your business, 
which everybody really, 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 really needs to do now, you are going to write your own content. Um, as writing your own content, you will have your own copy that you have to proofread. If you are proofreading or have done that at any point in time, it is a tough job. If you're reading any content five times, you're bound to not see your own mistakes anymore. Mm. Uh, Unless you have the luxury to have somebody who is totally fresh-eyed to that content, which most people don't have, the best thing, and this is a tidbit we got from a very, very good uh, copywriter ourselves, change the font to what you're reading. Because psychologically, your brain is all of a sudden thinking, oh, that's new. Interesting. You're opening up again. Love it. That's a tidbit I can give, and it made life a lot easier since we have started doing that. I I would also add, for me, like, I'm not the best speller, and I often do things wrong, like structure sentences wrong. And uh, some people jump up up and down about the fact that I've said something wrong, but uh, I I just post it anyway. Like, even if I knew that, for example, one of the podcasts... Uh, in the past, I had misspelt your uh, on the <laughs> I, <laughs> on the thumbnail, right? And you know, I and I got a lot of curry over it. But do you know what? I didn't care. I didn't change it because it was out there already. So you know, it was done. Like it just accept that you make mistakes like that and just get over it and move forward, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's a talking point. Like you know, most people out there, and this is this is obviously coming from a, a professional copywriter's uh, perspective and I understand you know once something is in print it's really really bad because you pay a hell of a lot of money in order to have that online this is my adaptation and I'm ranting a little bit about that because I hear that so often online nothing is set in stone mm. nothing has been paid for you to write this piece of content so please if you see a mistake come to us say it hey just wanted to let you know a quick notch. I'm sure you're busy. You may have missed it. Do you mind? It will make it look better. Of course, we'll do that. If not, I'd much rather leave it just like that and make it a proper talking point amongst people. Not for me, but for them. Mm. Because that's actually good for me if they're talking on my post. So, you know what? You're doing me a favor. I don't care. But 100%. It's not set in stone what we do. If you make a mistake on a post and you see it and you are like, oh my God, I really don't slate yourself. Don't sweat it. Just amend it. Take it down again. Who cares? Like, (laughs) post it again. The likelihood that the whole of your audience has seen that one post is minute. In in the vast majority of, of posts that we are posting nowadays, like sometimes we are posting up to 17, 18 times on Superfly Autos on Facebook. Not everybody will see every single post. It's not even possible anymore. No, I mean, like I what I, I think I post three times a day and I guarantee you not everyone sees those three posts. So, you know, that's just how it is. I mean, I'm, and you know, you gotta say that if you wanna be seen though, you, you have to post more. It's simple as that. 
Yes. Don't be afraid to do it when the mistakes happen. It happens. Just roll with it. Uh, someone's opinion is just going to be them scrutinizing. We're just inherent as humans to pick out the flaws over the good things. But don't let it put you down. No. We've had it before. We've had it many times, like yourselves. And we've thought, okay, but now we've gone. We've gone. That's fine. Some some are constructive, and we think thank you so much. Some yes. are not, and they can play the arseholes. We just think fuck you, go away. And after that, we're just like it happens, and that's it. We just move on. But yeah. don't let it stop you because a lot of people stop posting after that. Like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore because I'm being scrutinised. Fuck them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Oh, in, in that regard, you really have to grow a thick skin. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you guys? So um, let's start with the website. So it's www.superfly-autos.com. And then we're also on Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash superflyautos. Equally so on Instagram. And Fly it's underscore uh, autos. Yeah, so it's superfly underscore autos. Mm. And TikTok, superfly autos as well. We are um, also on Twitter, but yeah. not very... Um, not as active as the others. That's it. As well as on Pinterest, just as much, not as active. Same name, um, Superfly Autos can be found there. But uh, yeah, you can find us. And YouTube as well, which we're going to start to do a bit more with that soon. But predominantly, <clears throat> it's uh, Facebook, Instagram and TikTok are the main ones on the website. Love it, guys. Hey, thank you so much for coming in as being guests. You guys are amazing. Uh, you've built an amazing platform, a uh, great community, and I just want to encourage you guys to keep on doing your awesome work. Thank, um, you. thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you dig the show and you want to help, uh, join the GA Nation by heading over to Patreon. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, if you can't support the podcast financially, and you can help just as much by telling a friend or posting on Instagram, sharing a story, or better yet go on to your podcast app and rate and review the podcast as i said before and i'll say it again it would not only mean the world to me but mean the world to my guests uh, if you want to give me some feedback send your dms to at garage avenger on instagram uh, please go check out tony and carmen uh, and their amazing work at superfly autos until next time keep pushing yourselves keep ballsing up things keep learning Get inspired, and I'll catch you on the flip side. We're out. Cool. That was awesome.